0: Welcome to the Happy Homebirth Podcast, your source for positive, natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things homebirth and motherhood. By your fourth birth, there's no way you're trying anything new, right? Hey there, Happy Homebirthers, and welcome to episode 71 of the Happy Homebirth Podcast, where we'll be speaking with Carrie who went from a string of three inducted hospital births to an intervention-free home birth. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and before we jump in, I've got some news. Happy Home Birth Academy, my childbirth education program for home birth mothers, is set to launch in just a few weeks. Tell all of your friends, and if you're a birth worker interested in checking out the program, give me a holler at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com or DM me on Instagram. I am hopeful to let some fellow birth workers take a look before launch day, provided I have it ready. And I am so excited about the content of this course. It's perfect for your first, fifth, or 10th birth, whether you've had them all at home or all in hospital, and it gives you the tools to have an empowered, mindful, peaceful home birth. It's my third baby, basically. So to keep updated with the launch, be sure to join the happy home birth pop-up group on Facebook or check out my free home birth essentials mini course. It's a quick little guide to some of the most important aspects of having a peaceful home birth. Just go to myhappyhomebirthcom forward slash essentials for your download. Also totally unrelated, but I just do feel like it's important to let you guys know so that you're picturing me correctly right now. I am currently covered head to toe in poison Ivy. I cannot tell you how many times this week I have thought to myself, Oh my gosh, I would so much rather be in labor than dealing with this. So just make sure you're picturing me very red and lumpy right now. That's highly important. All right, go ahead and take a screenshot of you listening to this episode, upload it to your Instagram stories and tag happy Homebirth podcast and use the hashtag give birth on your turf. You guys are the best. And please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And neither one of us are acting as medical professionals. So continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Let's jump into the interview with Carrie. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Homebirth podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. If you wouldn't mind, would you just start by introducing yourself to the listeners? Of course. So my name is Carrie. I live um, in
1: Suffolk, Virginia. It's about an hour from Virginia Beach. I am a real estate agent uh, working full-time to support my family, and I have four beautiful children. Um, my daughter is seven. My son is almost five. My other son is two and a half, and I've got my three and a half month old. Oh, I hear
0: you're three and a half month old right now. See, <laughs> yeah, Emmy. So wonderful. Well, so you were just talking with me before we started about your journey a little bit. And it's really neat to hear how how everything started. And then you made quite a pivot between your third and fourth births. So I can't wait to get into that. But would you mind starting us at the very beginning with your first pregnancy? How did that unfold? Sure. So she is
1: our honeymoon baby. We had just gotten married and one month later I was pregnant. So I didn't oh. know what to expect or anything. I just knew like I needed to get in to see a doctor and I needed to do what they told me to do. So, um, I, j- I went to this group. Um, I believe there were nine or 10 doctors in the practice and for each prenatal, I saw a different doctor each week. Oh my goodness. Let's get you some boo. Um, And towards the end of my pregnancy, I was about 36 weeks and I started getting really itchy. So I said something to the doctor and he was like, well, it's probably nothing, but let's just run some tests. And they called me the next week and they said, okay, so your test came back a little abnormal. You have cholestasis of pregnancy, Mm -hmm. which little side note, um, basically like my liver wasn't filtering out bile acids anymore. And it can be really dangerous for the baby. They were like, we'll see you in a few days and we'll talk over what we're going to do. And I said, okay, that sounds good. So me being me, I went on Google and it was like, your baby's going to die. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So, um, I went to the next appointment and I was like, look, this is what I read about this. I'm really concerned. And the doctor was like, no, you're fine. We'll take the baby out at 39 weeks. We'll do an induction. Um, And I was like, well, everything I read said 37 weeks and I'm 37 weeks now. So maybe we need to talk about moving that up. She was like, I've never seen anything bad happen. You don't need to worry about it. We'll see you in a week. And I was like, all right, you're the doctor, you know. So the following week I saw another doctor in the practice and I mentioned how the previous doctor had said like 39 week induction, let's get that scheduled because I'm starting to get a little concerned. And she was like, Hang on a second. And she stepped out and she came back in and she was like, so you're going to go to the hospital tomorrow and have your baby. So it was, uh, 38 weeks would have been my induction date. And I was like, what changed? And she's like, we're we're just going to take some precautions here. And I was like, okay, so no longer concerned about spontaneous labor or what to expect. Now I needed to prepare myself for an induction. And I already knew that I wanted to have a vaginal delivery and I did not want an epidural. I was very, very against getting an epidural because I don't like needles. So we went in the following morning. I was three centimeters dilated. They started me on Pitocin and they cranked that stuff up. (laughs) Um, And it was a six hour active labor before she was born, but they did a lot of different, um, interventions that I wasn't so thrilled about, but I didn't understand them when they were doing them. So like, um, they did internal monitoring. So they put that little thingy in her head. Um, I was stuck in bed because of that. I couldn't move. So I couldn't get comfortable or like really do anything through contractions other than cry. And, um, It took me almost two hours to actually push her out. And the doctor had said, like, if she can't get her out, she needs to go in for a C-section. Like, I'm going to give her five more minutes. And luckily, I was able to get her out. Um, And I remember her saying that she was going to do an episiotomy. And I said, no. And I like roared the baby out at that point, but um, everything was good. And, um, I didn't really, that was one of those things that I had said earlier. I didn't really realize what I was getting myself into at that point where, you know, I was about to have an episiotomy that I didn't want, or they did the internal monitoring, but they didn't tell me that they were going to be sticking something inside of my baby's scalp. Mm -hmm. So those were kind of things that I was a little upset about, but you know, baby was there, baby was happy. I was good. (laughs) So my next pregnancy, I kind of tricked myself, I guess, into being itchy again. And I was like, look, I've got it again. Like I need, I need you to get this baby out. So they ran the test and they were like, no, everything looks good. Your numbers are normal. We're going to let you keep going. And I was like, I don't know about this guys. (laughs) Mm. So at 37 weeks, exactly. I went in and I went to labor and delivery and I was like, look, I've been having contractions, which I was, I was having Braxton Hicks, but they were registering on the monitors. And I was like, I feel itchy, I just, I feel like it would be safest to get this baby out. And they were like, okay, we'll start the induction. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't dilated at all with him. So they did the Foley bulb overnight and then they started Pitocin the next morning. And um, his labor took forever. Um, Again, I had declined any sort of pain management, but um, I did ask them to break my water, which they did with my daughter as well. And when they did that with her, that's when the contractions actually started to get painful and and really start working. So with him, they were like, no, we're not going to break your water. Like just, you know, keep going. You're doing great. And I was like, all right. They were like, you'll probably have a baby within a couple hours. Well, a couple hours came and went and I was still in labor. So it wasn't until around nine o'clock at night. So I had been going for 12 hours at that point on Pitocin that he came in and finally broke my water. And my son was born 15 minutes later. He came to, oh, man. yeah. So I was like, okay, I know that my water needs to be broken so that I can have a baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but everything was fine with that. He came out perfectly healthy. Um, there were no complications or anything like that. So I was lucky because 37 weeks is early. So, um, I was a little bit nervous that that intervention might have had an impact on him but thankfully it did not. So then my third baby no symptoms and I had them check my blood and everything and everything was fine. So I knew that this time I wasn't going to develop it. Um and I didn't have any itching so I wasn't too concerned. The um At 39 weeks, they gave me the option to have an elective induction. And I was like, please, please do that. This is the longest I've ever been pregnant. Right, by a week. (laughs) I don't like it anymore. So get this baby out. (laughs) Um, And they were like, okay, well, he does seem like he's going to be a big baby. So we'll go ahead and we'll schedule you for an induction at 39 and five. And I was like, great, this is wonderful. So at that point, I already had two kids. I liked having the scheduling aspect of it where I could be like, hey, babysitter, don't want to have a baby. Come and watch my kids. Right. So um, that morning, we went into the hospital. They started the Pitocin again because I was already, uh, I think it was four centimeters dilated with him. And um, three hours later, they came in, they broke my water contractions got really intense after that. And, um, with him, I actually asked for the epidural and the nurse was like, no, you don't want it. You don't need this. And I was like, no, no, I really do. Like I'm dying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they brought the anesthesiologist in and I couldn't sit still cause I didn't want the epidural, mm-hmm. but I wanted it. Right. And, um, It hurt, like the epidural hurt, the contractions hurt, so I couldn't sit still. Took them almost an hour to actually get it in. And once they did, they said, okay, here we go, buddy. you can lay back and you're not going to feel anything in about 15 minutes. And I was like, Oh, great. So I laid back and his head came out.
0: Oh my word.
1: (laughs) So he was born right then and there. And then 15 minutes later, I lost all feeling in my right hip and my right leg. And I was like, so uh, did you turn the epidural off? And they were like, well, we're turning it off now, but you'll probably be numb for a little while still. And I was like, only my leg is numb. And they were like, well, the epidural wouldn't have worked for you anyway. So I was like, "What? this is is garbage. Like go away. Um, so he actually, he was my biggest baby at 39 and five. He was nine pounds, one ounce. So I knew that I made big babies because at 37 and 38 weeks, my other two were just under eight pounds. Mm. So the home birth baby, (laughs) um, when it was, His turn and we'll we'll get into that a little bit later too. I went over my due date and every day I was like, This baby's
0: huge. How am I gonna get this baby out? (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So your pregnancies have gotten longer each time
1: yes, they have. And I know that that's abnormal, but I also had the intervention. So it's like, you know, I cheated.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and I'm curious about that. So after having those three inductions, what was it that made you decide, all right, I'm having a home birth.
1: So actually with my third I wanted to be released from the hospital. I wanted to be discharged the next day. He was born at 2.30 in the afternoon, and I wanted to go home the next day. Both of us were healthy. Everything was fine. Nobody had anything that needed to be worried about. Well, they were so busy that they couldn't do their rounds in time to discharge me, so I was stuck there for two nights. Mm-hmm. And I had three other, uh, two other kids at home, and I was just upset about it. I wanted to go home to my kids, and everyone had advised me, like, just go. Like they're not actually keeping you there, but they make you feel like they're keeping you there. And my third child was also the first one that I declined any sort of, um, vaccinations at birth or anything like that. And every time they came in, they were asking, and I had even told the nurse, I said, you know, I don't want you to give him a bath, like leave him the way that he is. And they, took him anyway and gave him a bath. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? My voice isn't being heard. And I had a big problem with that and it was just like I was a number, a number in an assembly line. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just getting passed around from person to person and they had to check off their things on the list. I didn't like that I had to write down which side he nursed oh, on no. and for how long he was nursing or any of that. And because of his size, even though I didn't have gestational diabetes, they came in and they pricked his foot every three hours to check his blood sugar. Whoa. Yeah. Because he was over nine pounds and that's hospital policy. So I had a big problem with that too. Um, and I didn't really understand at that point that I could have said no, but, you know, no better, do better. He was fine. It right. wasn't like, traumatic or anything for him. But um, from there, I was like, if I ever get to have another baby, I don't want to do this again. And at that point we thought we were done having kids too. So I kind of sat in like the baby blues and postpartum depression. Like I was teetering on the edge of both. Cause I was like, this can't be my last birth experience. Like I, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't empowering. I just went in and had a kid and like, I didn't feel special. Um, so then at the beginning of 2019, when I found myself pregnant with my, my son, I was like, I peed on the stick and I went to my husband and I said, we're having another baby and I'm having
0: it at home. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Did you have friends who had had home births or how did you decide to have one? So I have Facebook friends. I didn't
1: personally know anybody that I was super close with that had had a home birth, but... Mm -hmm. From seeing people's photographs or hearing their birth stories just through Facebook alone, I was like, that looks so amazing. And everybody always had wonderful things to say about their midwives or about home birth in general. And I was like, that looks perfect. Like that's going to be my picture perfect thing. And it was from that moment that I like put it into my mind that um, that was what was going to happen, that I was going to do it that way.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really incredible to not even have anybody around your circle that you, you know, truly knew that you could ask about it and learn more about it, but yet you still were like, nope, this is what I'm doing. This is what's right for me. That's very impressive.
1: Exactly. And the funny part about it is once I started to tell people that I planned on having a home birth, they were like, you're crazy.
0: (laughs) What if something what? Goes I, wrong I've never and, heard that before?
1: <laughs> right? What if this happens and how are you going to do it without having pain manage it, management management? And like, what if you have to go to the hospital? I'm like, why is the first like question that you ask me, assuming that something's going to go wrong. It's like when you say that you're engaged and someone says, well, what are you going to do when you get divorced? Like that <laughs> sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, I was so bummed at that, but I was like, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to impact me. So The midwife that had delivered a few of my friends' babies, um, I was like, hey, I I found her on Facebook. I messaged her and I added her and I said, hey, um, I'm pregnant and I want you to deliver my baby. And she texted me back and she was like, you don't know me. What if you don't like me? And I was like, I don't care. Um, I I want you. Like, you're going to be it. Yeah. I was like, this is going to happen and you're going to do it if it's okay. And she was like, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll set something up. And at 12 weeks is when I've got to meet her for the first time. And this is where the story gets fun. I had just gone under contract to purchase a new house. And, um, I had told her like, this is going to be my address. And she was like, hang on. I know someone that lives over there. She lives across the street And she just had her sixth baby at home. And I was like, awesome, like connect us. I'm so excited. And she did. And having my neighbor who had the experience that she did was pivotal. It made a huge difference in my confidence. And then like just hearing the other stories, it was inspiring and really helpful to get myself in the mindset that like, yes, I can do it at home. Like I can do it. Wow, that that's so cool. Yeah, so they had known each other um, from I'm assuming other birth thing related things like the local birthing groups and stuff. Like there's local home birth groups, um, and everybody that is in our little tribe has a bunch of kids, four plus children, right. and a lot of them. I think we were talking about it collectively. Have had thirteen babies at home. Oh wow! So. Um, I got in with this little village, they welcomed me. And we got to talk about birth, like all the time when I was pregnant. And we talked about fears that I had and things that I was dreaming up to have, like as a part of my birth experience. So I also said, well, I want pictures of it this time. So I hired a local doula that is also a photographer um, who had worked with my midwife in the past. So I knew that at least they'd be able to be in sync about things. And because this was my first time having a baby at home, spontaneous labor, I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. But I had said, if I could have three Pitocin-induced babies without an epidural, I can absolutely have a, a normal labor at home. Right. Not an epidural. But I still wanted the doula just as like a safety measure. So um, it was, I had my due date come and go. And I was getting really frustrated. Mm -hmm. And my neighbor would text me like, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to, you know, try and get this baby out? And I was like, yes, we need to go for a walk and get this baby out. So October 13th was actually the full moon. It was the hunter moon. And I said, like, today's the day. We're going to get him out. We can do it. And I had been having Braxton Hicks contractions pretty much every day from 37 weeks on. And I was like, is today the day? No. Okay. It's not today. Is today the day. No, it's not today. Uh And I would hop in the bathtub. I would actually listen to your podcast all the time to, to try and picture what I wanted. So I was big on like positive vision and saying like, okay, I'm going to have my baby right here. And I would like rub my belly and I'd be like, you're safe. This is where you're going to be born. I can't wait to meet you. Um, So that was my thing. Every day I'd have my contractions. I would time them because I was like, I've got to practice. And then nothing would happen. So I'd hop in the bathtub and I would take a bath and I'd go to bed. Um, But pretty much my whole life from 37 weeks till 40 plus six was this is how my birth is going to be. And I can't wait for it to happen.
0: Yeah, you had a whole extra month to really sit on that and think about
1: it. I did. I was so desperate. I went into my chiropractor and I was like, look, you need to adjust this baby out of me because I cannot do it anymore. He's like, that's not really how it works.
0: I I have made the same threat, so I do understand.
1: Well, we joke about it now because my, my home birth was my easiest and quickest delivery. And I was like, it's because of the chiropractor. He did it all. That's the truth. It is, it is. Um, but yeah, so the, um, the day of the full moon, we decided, so we live on a little dirt road. We decided that we were going to walk the dirt road and we had gone up and down a couple times and I was starting to feel a little sick. So I was like, "Mm, maybe, maybe things might be happening, but you know, it's been, every day has been a tease for the last (gasps) month. So I don't know if I trust it. So um I came back home and I was like all right I'm still kind of feeling a little weird I'm going to hop in the tub now and it was earlier than normal I think it was like 7 when I did that. Um so I stayed in the tub for about an hour and I was having contractions but I didn't think that they were real yet. And everyone mm-hmm. always says you you'll know because you'll know and I was like well I don't know and this doesn't feel real. So I'm just going to keep on going on with my day. I had a pot of chili on the stove and we had um, my husband had cleaned up in the back because I was like, I'm going to labor outside. Like, that sounds wonderful to labor mm-hmm. outside. Um, so, you know, I was just kind of getting some more stuff ready. And uh, I went to use the restroom and I had a large clot pass. And I was like, oh, bloody show. Okay, so maybe I am going to have a baby within the next couple of days. So I texted my neighbor and I was like, I'm going to send you a picture of something gross. Please don't be disgusted, but I need to, I need to get your opinion on this. And she's like, you need to text that to the midwife. And I was mm. like, really? You think so? And she's like, yeah, I think, I think she needs to see that. So I texted my midwife. She always said to call, but I texted her. Cause I was like, are you busy? Like, am I going to interrupt you? I don't want to be an inconvenience, but right. I need you to see this picture. <laughs> so I sent it to her and she's like, are you having contractions? I was like, Yeah, so when I timed them, they were like every one to two minutes. But you know, I can talk through them, and I'm still walking, and I'm still happy and bubbly. So you know, it's not real yet. And she was like, "This isn't pitocin. Like, (laughs) this isn't a pitocin induced labor." And I was like, "Yeah, but you know, it it doesn't hurt, so it can't be labor." She was like, "I'm gonna come over." Oh, so so this is real. I had a really big contraction then, and I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe it is real." So. I texted my husband who was in the other room with the, with the kids. And I was like, Hey, Renee's on her way. And he was like, no way. And I was like, no, like she is. So, you know, get the dogs out, get everybody situated. Cause she's coming. And my neighbor was at the front door already. And she came in and she was like, I'm just going to hang out with you for a while. Um, you know, in the background, if you need anything, and I was like, well, let's try and sift this baby because he had been, um, I don't remember what the word was. He wasn't in the optimal position anytime mm-hmm. they were belly mapping.
0: Posterior maybe?
1: Yes. Sunny side up, right? Right. Yeah. So I was like, let's sift him and we'll see if we can do anything. So I, I leaned over a labor ball and she was sifting and it was quiet and we were content and everything was good. And at that point I was like, I need to call my doula. Like she needs to come and take pictures of this. Mm-hmm. So I talked to her and she's like, okay, well, if, you're in labor. You don't really sound like it's so bad. So I'm just going to finish up dinner and I'll get the babysitter over and then I'll head to your house. And I was like, great. This is wonderful. Everything's falling into place. So cool. I'm so excited. Like I'm going to have a baby if this is real. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, right. this, uh, at that point, I was still relatively convinced that it was fake and that I was wasting everybody's time and I felt really bad about it. But contractions were starting to get a little bit more regular at that point, but I was still talking, walking, happy. So I was like, let me just go sit on the toilet and see if any more of that like nastiness is going to come out. And I did. And my water broke. And that was the first time my water had ever broken, not by a doctor. Mm -hmm. And it was like that pop sound. And then I felt it all gush. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) my neighbor had heard it because she was like, was that your water? I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And she had her youngest with her, the one that she had at home. And I just remember like the baby was crawling around and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. But then I remembered after your water breaks, contractions get painful. So I was like, I need to fill up my bathtub now. I need to go sit in the tub because I don't want to feel that pain. I want to enjoy this. So I start filling up the tub. We call my midwife to see where she's at. And um, this was part, the part where like I had that other perspective. So um, I did not have her on speakerphone My neighbor had her on the phone and she said, her water just broke. She's filling up the bathtub and she's going to get in. And my midwife said, do not let her get in the tub. (laughs) And (laughs) So my neighbor was like, you need, you need to get out. And I was like, no, no, I don't like, I need to stay in because this is when it's going to hurt. So like, I need to sit in the tub. And, um, she's like, all right, well, hang on a second. So she's, she's gone. No, she wants, she wants to get in the tub. And my midwife was like, do not let her get in the tub. This is going to be a really big baby. And he cannot risk like her having her, him now. And she's like, I really want to be there. So she was spot on, but she had said, if I get in the tub, I'm going to relax too much. The baby's going to come. And at that point it was still just me and my neighbor. And my husband was like poking his head in and out to make sure that I was still doing okay. So, um, she's like, all right, I'll get her out of the tub. So I got out of the tub and I just kind of like labored on the side with my, um, my labor ball. And I bet you were
0: pretty annoyed to get out of the tub.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. I- <laughs> so my midwife stayed on speakerphone at that point And I kept on like grumbling to her, like, I want to get in the tub. Where are you? <laughs> um, but my friend and the midwife's assistant ended up arriving shortly after that. And she was just like checking heart tones and she was making sure like everything was good and hunky dory. And she would, um, hold the fetal Doppler up to my phone so that she could talk to my midwife that way and say like here and here, you can listen to Carrie having a contraction. Mm -hmm. And, uh, They were, they were very helpful at that point. They were like, okay, let's, you know, we'll turn down the lights. And I had little twinkling lights set up over my tub. And they were like, do you want us to put some music on? And I was like, nah, how about we diffuse some essential oils? Nah. Do you want us to braid your hair? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. Let me just, let me just get in my zone here. Um, but the contractions still weren't really hurting. So I figured I had plenty of time to to have all of the things and to go outside and and do everything that we had <laughs> dreamed
0: of doing. Um, I love it.
1: <laughs> right. So it was about 45 minutes from when my water broke until my midwife actually arrived. And once she did, she walked in and she's like, okay, you can get in the tub now. And I was like, not yet. <laughs> like The contractions were so close together and so intense at that point that I just couldn't move yet. But once I did, I got into the tub and hit transition immediately. Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That was when like, I was leaned over the edge of it. And I just put my hand out for my husband because I was like, holy cow, like this just got really intense. So he came over and he sat next to me. And about 10 minutes after that, I want to say, I started getting pushy. And the position that I was in was not really ideal for my midwife who we had talked prior to, um, all of this at one of my prenatals. And I said, I really want you to catch the baby. I don't feel comfortable. I'm afraid I'm going to drop him because babies are slippery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to be the one to catch him. And she said, okay, that's fine. So the position I was in, she couldn't really get a good angle to catch the baby So she asked me to adjust and I was like, "Mm, nope, you're going to
0: feel like I can't do it. Yeah, that's a no.
1: (laughs) So, um... I ended up getting him out. He had the cord wrapped around him a couple times. And the, the position that I was in, like leaned over like that, she just kind of floated him to me from under my legs. And my husband got to unwrap the cord from around his neck. And then I just sat back and I said, oh my gosh, I did it. Like I, I had my home
0: birth. <laughs> um,
1: and then 20 minutes later, my doula photographer arrived. Right. <laughs> So, from start to finish. So from the first like blood clot that I had passed was an hour and a half.
0: Whoa. Okay. That was super fast.
1: Super fast. And I, I had no idea that it was that fast. I even said at one point, like, has this been going on forever?
0: (laughs) Time is so weird in labor.
1: It is. And they were like, no, like you're doing great. Like keep going. Because I was like, this has really been a long time and Renee still isn't here. Um, but they were like, (laughs) no, she's she's on her way. (laughs) She's like, she's (laughs) good.
0: Oh man. Wow. Well, so it sounds like there was no issue with, with pushing him out. Was he, how big was he?
1: He was 10 pounds,
0: A 10 pounder,
1: 10 pounder. I got in the double digit club.
0: Very nice. But it was, it was pretty simple pushing him.
1: Yeah. So I was convinced he was stuck because it was very, very intense. And I was like, he's not coming out. He's stuck. I can't do it. And like when I actually said he's stuck, she was like, he's out.
0: (laughs) 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 That's cute.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, "No, he's stuck. I can't do it." She's like, "He's he's out, Carrie. Pick up your baby."
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Now I'm curious. So with the difference in your home birth versus your uh, inducting induction births, was the postpartum any different? Or since you didn't have ep- well, I guess you didn't have an epidural with the third baby. What? How how did your postpartum compare to your previous?
1: So. With the first three, um, it was kind of just like, you know, you stayed in the hospital for your one to two days after the baby was born and then you go home and then they call you and they have you come in at six weeks and you go to, you know, the pediatrician and they check and make sure that like you're not, um, you have to do that postpartum depression questionnaire. But really it was just like going through the motions. It wasn't anything special. With my home birth baby, I got a text from my midwife the next day asking how I was doing, checking in on the baby. She was coming the following day to do another check. Um, and, you know, it was just like, it was different to have the, the support that I had because my friends had had their babies at home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they knew like, hey, we're going to bring her food. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's so under it's so wonderful when people around you understand the, the sacredness of postpartum and are willing to to really help out in that time.
1: Yes, it was it was definitely very special. Um we had started doing Um, community dinners so our five or six families would get together once a week with all 40 of our collective children (laughs) we would do dinner together and they decided that my neighbor would host so that I could pop in and um, yeah so you know like they just rearranged things for me they made it special they didn't pass my baby around they would you know like come over and check on us and Um, actually at that point he was five or six days old and he was my first baby that had breastfeeding struggles. Mm. So yeah, that was, that was rough. But um, I had this village of women who were able to help me navigate through those. And that was super special. So um, he decided that he wasn't going to latch anymore and my neighbor was actually the one that got him to latch and started him breastfeeding
0: again oh that's amazing yes yeah that the the community like the group of women that surrounded you is is something that I wish that every mom could experience
1: me too and it it kind of bummed me out because I was like I didn't have this for my other three kids, but I have that for him and yeah, it's just like having a family but they're all your
0: friends. <laughs> so that is so wonderful. Gosh, Carrie, I love that that you were able to bring your, you know, I don't know, I feel like oftentimes postpartum is is a struggle and there's not someone to come alongside. Like I feel like I've heard that story so many times, so for you to be able to share your postpartum having struggles you know having breastfeeding issues but still having such support that is that's so amazing to hear and it encourages me to make sure that I am that mom in my area that's able to come alongside other moms and I hope it'll do the same for other mothers that are listening to this
1: yes me too i really do hope that because you know everything is is such a blur in those first few days your lack of sleep and Everything hurts and like you're just sore because you just pushed a watermelon out of your vagina. Um, so, you know, having that community, having that support is really important. And even if you don't have a tribe like like at my little group of women is, um, just finding one or two people that you can talk to, that it's safe to talk to, that you trust, um, that that's just so important.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, completely agree over here. Well, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story, Carrie. It was such a joy to have you on the podcast and hear how you went from, you know, uh, elective inductions at the end, an elected induction, all the way to home birth, the next one. that's <laughs> so It's so encouraging. And what a joy it was to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Carrie. Thank you for having me. Just the neatest I loved hearing her story and I know you had to enjoy it too. Let's dive into this episode roundup. I've got two big thoughts. The first one, just because you've had two, three, four, or 10 babies one way doesn't mean you automatically have to do it the same way next time. Carrie went from three inductions to an unmedicated, untouched home birth. You can change your situation. And secondly, Wasn't it beautiful to hear how Carrie gained such a supportive community? This is so important postpartum, and it sounds like she was truly cared for and doted upon during that time. I loved hearing how she was cared for so well as her baby struggled with breastfeeding. What a difference our community can make. I encourage you to reach out to the other mothers around you. Even having one or two friends or family members who can walk through the postpartum journey with you can make a world of difference. All right, my friends, that's all I have for you this week. Go download that free mini course and I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Hey, are you finding these stories and interviews helpful? Support the show by heading to myhappyhomebirth.com and purchasing a t-shirt, candles, or even just clicking share on your social media page.